Thanks for tuning in. You are now listening to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast with your host, Ken Cairns, a weekly sports card podcast with lessons he's learned in the hobby and life lessons he's learned along the way. So sit back and relax. There won't be a test. The only thing being graded is the cards. You are now on with Ken. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast with me, your host, Ken. I'm a retired teacher documenting my hobby journey here on the pod, finding teachable moments to share with all of you along the way. Don't forget to hit me up on social media, on Instagram, at sportscard underscore lessons. Hit the follow button. And you can also find me on YouTube by searching Sports Card Lessons. If you like what you hear, please like, subscribe, and most importantly, tell a friend and spread the word. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to episode 10. It's hard to believe it's already been 10 episodes. Uh, it's nice that we've gotten past the getting to know you episodes or getting to know me episodes. You know, the setup, uh, what I'm doing, what content I'm creating, what I'm delivering. Uh, so now, I mean, by now, episode 10, we could just jump right into the important stuff every week. Um, and I want to thank everyone for the comments and the great feedback. You know, early on, first couple episodes, you know, people I knew in the hobby here and there would say, oh, yeah, that was good. I like that. It was, you know, good episode. Um, now, after episode nine, I'm getting up, you know, Friday morning, Friday afternoon. I'm responding. I'm, I'm just just a lot of great comments and feedback. I really like it. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. I, I really like to hear from everybody who's who's out there listening. Uh, had a big weekend, uh, two-day show this past weekend, the AutoFest uh, show, Probstein show at the American Dream Mall. It was in New Jersey uh, next to MetLife Stadium. So it was, um, it was interesting. It was interesting. Um, you know, it, it was a great turnout for dealers. It's like the who's who in the hobby was really there. There was just, there was just, a lot of a lot of hob, a lot of people in the hobby, a lot of big names in the hobby that were there. Um, so it was just a great turnout. Uh, it was an interesting day. It was three levels: um, level one, level three had tables, vendors, uh, and level two were, was the autograph signing. Uh, and I know this is a this this mall. I, I guess it's the largest mall in the United States, right? It's like three miles long. Um, and I do know when I was pulling into it. From the highway, I was coming in at a point where I had to drive all the way around the mall before I got into the correct parking garage. So, yeah, it was it was definitely you know once you got there, it was still you know a good five or eight minutes before you uh, you know you got parked up 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 on top of the parking garage where you need where we needed to park. Um, but it was an interesting show. I for Saturday because the mall was open and it was the mall was packed. The mall was packed. So I think you know, used to going to card shows where the people are, who are coming are coming to a card show where here was a little different. You probably had about 50, 50, you had half the people were showing up, uh, you know, for a card show and you had the other half, you know, they were just at the mall and happened to find a card show and figured, Hey, why don't I go take a look, see what's going on over here. So it was, uh, it was just kind of an interesting crowd. Um, I think, I answered a lot more questions 
to mall people just coming and looking at the cards saying, oh, I had no idea. And, you know, I have a, still have a variety of cards in my case. I have some some wrestling in there. So people were very interested. I had no idea they made wrestling cards. And how long have they been doing that? They've been doing this a long, you know, just questions like that. So people just didn't know and just generally had had questions just looking into the cases. And then, of course, you have the the, the card people who are coming to negotiate and, and buy a card. Um, so it was a two-day show. And the interesting thing on Sunday in, in New Jersey, I guess it's a, they call it a blue law, that all the retail is closed. So on Sunday at the mall, there were no retail stores open, only, only the restaurants and the activities. And if you look into this mall, I'm not going to get into it, but it, it, they have just about everything. There's ice skating rink in this mall. There's indoor go-karting. Um, there's a, um, an indoor water park, which I think the water park was closest to where we were because there was a, there's a lot of people running around in bathing suits and, 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 uh, and, uh, you know, wet hair and, and they, you could tell they just, they, they just got out of a water park. Um, so Saturday set up with, uh, you know, my, my good friend, Rob sports card therapist, um, set up, we were set up on the third level. Um, and it's a long show. I mean, they, because we're, we're doing mall hours it was the show was from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. It was the longest show I'd ever been at. Um, and I know I was staying overnight. So I had a hotel to check into and they had uh, trade night was also there in the mall at uh, one of the uh, pubs there in the mall. And that was from nine to midnight, uh, the trade night. So most people were going to just stay till eight. And then just head straight over to trade night. But because I was checking into a hotel, I checked out of there just a little early, went and checked in, freshened up, and then got back for trade night. And I'm glad I did because I ended up staying at trade night until almost midnight. That was just another unbelievable turnout um, for trade night. And most of the shows I go to were not staying, so I never really make trade night. So like uh, the week before I was in New York and, you know, they had a great trade night at Bleecker Trading. Uh, but because we were driving home, we weren't staying over. Uh, we just left after the show. And I've done that a few times because I'm tired at the end of a long day. Uh, if I'm not staying, I generally don't make it to trade night. So um, I did the trade night that was at the uh, Basketball Hall of Fame up in Springfield. Um couple months ago and uh, i did this trade night here tonight and both uh one of the hosts you know is my good friend rob and uh i think both were just amazing i think they they went off amazing uh lots of trades being made lots of cards out uh and, you know and the interesting thing is and i talked about this last week it's just like a good group of people like you know there's a lot of value in these cards and here you are it's on a you know, you're on a Saturday night, you're, you're sitting in a bar slash restaurant or in a mall, people are laying their cards out on the table. They're chatting, they're looking at other people's cards. They're not, they're not worried. It, you know, it was, I was a little worried at the beginning. I was just like, I, I don't want to venture away from my cards. These are my cards. They're expensive. I don't want to. And then I got a little comfortable and I realized I'm worrying over nothing because nobody in here is 
going to going to touch my cards or take my cards. Um, and people were just walking off. They would lay their cards down and walk off and somebody come over and say, oh, you know, whose card is this? And we're like, oh, it's that guy over there. And, you know, calling him had to call him back. So people were comfortable enough to kind of walk away from their cards uh, and, and everything went well. Everything went well for trade night. Trade night was just a, was a good night. Um, I think, uh, I think most people made at least one or two trades or a lot of trades going on. Um, I know I made a trade that I haven't quite finalized the trade yet. Uh, on, on, on Saturday night, I might hear, hear me talk about my friend, Alan from, uh, ja.sports.cards, uh, has the, uh, local card shop down the street here in Hamden, Connecticut. And uh, he was taking uh, Rob's table for Sunday because Rob was going home. So he showed up Saturday night with his son, Josh. And uh, we went over to trade night together. Um, and and funny enough, I made a trade with him that night o- over, you know, anybody else. But he showed up with new cards. He had just picked up you know, a bunch of new cards, uh, on Friday at the shop, somebody came in, made a deal and he brought these cards along and there was a nice, uh, playbook Mac Jones auto non-graded card. So I've made a deal. In fact, uh, after recording today, I'm going to see him today to complete the deal and, and pick the card up. So shout out to him. Um, and, uh, so Sunday, we'll jump into Sunday. Uh, Sunday was quite a different day than Saturday. Um, because most of the people coming now were coming to a card show, uh, with, with most of the retail being closed. So Sunday felt more like a card show and it started off, start, oh, it started at 10, but it started off very slow. Uh, and I thought, you know, I can leave whenever I want. I had about a two, two hour, two hour and a 15 minute drive home. Um, I thought in my mind, probably going to hit the road around between two and three to get home for dinner time. And it started out slow. I thought, hmm, if it doesn't get any busier, I might leave earlier. Um, and I didn't make many sales on Saturday. And I'll get into that just a little bit later. Um, wh- why I think I didn't make that many sales on Saturday. Um, but Sunday, it started to pick up around 12, 1 o'clock. And it just continued to get busier. And I know a lot of people said because they were still signing autographs. I know Mike Tyson was coming. He was a big attraction for Sunday. But um, I think it was the area, too. I think I think most people, um, whatever they worship on Sunday, I think once it finished at 11, 12, 1 o'clock, they all started to come to the show after that. And I think that was the that was where the traffic really started to come in and then really just started making sales. Um, so Sunday was a, was, was a m- much better day for me. Um, and, and one thing I want to just throw out a huge shout out, um, to Josh Allen's son from, from the local card shop who was there, um, is a junior in high school and what a wealth of knowledge, what a wealth of knowledge this kid is. And he was just, such a pleasure to have at the show because a lot of cards show up to the table and I don't know the variations of a lot of these cards, you know, and people are like, you know, are you, are are you buying? Of course I am. I'm always buying. And I start looking at cards and 
I could look them up and it takes a little time. We, you know, we break the phone out and it takes a little time, but having Josh there that day, it was just such a wealth of knowledge. I would just look over and I'd hold the car up. I'd say, Hey, what version? And he would know right away. Oh, that's a, whatever it's a purple. It's a, this, it's a, that he knew he was so, I didn't realize now I know his dad owns the card shop and he works. He's there. Every, whenever I go in there, he's always in there. He's always working. He's always in the shop, but he just knows his stuff. And, and it was just unbelievable. He was such, such a, a resource to have at a show. And I know he wasn't mine. He was really there for his dad, but he, he became my kind of my resource too, where, where things were coming to the table. And if I didn't recognize what it was or, or I was looking, you know, I needed to look up just to see what variation it was. I could just hold the car up and look at him and he could tell me exactly what it was. And, and I, I, I think a lot of there, there, there are a number of people who've been in this hobby for many years can do that. And I think that's, probably why they're so successful at the table because they know right away looking at things and and i can only hope i can only hope to be there you know someday so that i'd be able to really you know pull out all the different variations i mean I, i'll give you a perfect example I, i've opened up boxes of mosaic football and not even known i've gotten the case hit because there's really nothing that different about the cards in there but of course after i open them up and i see anything that looks like any variation i look it up because i want to be sure i like i want to know exactly that i'm not throwing something away or you know throwing something aside that that's more valuable than i think so just just to have that kind of knowledge um i think is priceless is absolutely priceless um Probably around one or two o'clock and anybody was at that show, uh, will tell you kids started coming in young kids, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 young kids coming in and buying young kids coming in in droves and just buying things. And you can tell pretty quick, uh, it wasn't so much about the hobby, even though it is a hobby thing, but these kids were just buying the most the most expensive cards they could find literally just coming coming and looking and looking and find whatever was the most expensive card in your case that then they would start negotiating with it and then they would just pull out their phone and figure out what it was and how much they should be paying for it really didn't know what the card was but it was just about buying the most expensive card in the case and I watched kids come up that had just bought cards from other dealers and then saw another card in my, and then drop, drop a 3000 or $4,000 card on my case and be like, well, do you want to buy this? Cause I'd really rather buy that instead. And, and I realized that, you know, when you go to these shows, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of kids, there's a lot of young teenagers, but there's a lot of hustlers. I mean, they're grinding, they're hustling, they're working their way up, they're working their way up, they know their stuff, just kind of like I talked about Josh, you know, a little bit that, that, you know, they know everything about the cards and the values and the variations and, and, and they know what they want to collect and they know, you know, wh what they want to get to. Um, these younger kids that came in um, had none of that, literally had none of that. Every time they made a purchase, they pulled their phone out, PayPal, um, Venmo, just and it really did not care what the prices were. 
Um, but they, as soon as they bought it, they would run to their friends and say, look what I got. And I think it was more of a status thing. Uh, I really think it was more of a status thing. Who could get the nicest card or have a nicer card than, than their friend? I don't think it was really about the hobby. I don't think it was about the car, the, you, you know, the hobby itself. I just think it was more about a status thing. Um, so it was quite a different crowd that came in. Um, things I've learned this week, um, and teachable moments to people who are going to, uh, uh, be setting up at shows. Um, the, and, and I've been toying with this for the last couple of shows. It's just that my table layout. Um, so I lay out two cases, um, for slabs and then I put some, a discount box and I have some other, you know, lower end stuff in boxes. And, and now when I set up, I look to see to the left of me and to the right of me, who's setting up what they have, what they're going to have, what's going to be on their table. So if I have a guy, um, say, and I, you've heard me talk about him, Nick from the slab exchange, if he's setting up on one side, I know he's setting up with one case and, and really nothing else. And people are going to come to his table. So if that's the case, I'm going to take my one case that has my higher end slabs and I'm going to put it on the end of the table that's closest to his because I know people on that end of the table are going to be looking for high, that are coming to his table are, are going to be looking for higher end things. My stuff's not as high as Nick's, but maybe if Nick's was too expensive, mine would be right in their, in their wheelhouse of what they could afford. Um, and a lot of people like to dig through the hobby boxes. They like to dig through the dollar boxes and the soup boxes and things like that. Um, but sometimes what I've noticed is if those boxes are too close to my cases and if somebody's going through one of those boxes, somebody will just pass by the case because they don't want to work their way in. And, and if you've got two people looking into the discount box or the, you know, they almost cover up the whole first case. So, so the case that, I put closest to those boxes are, are, you know, my lower end slabs that are say that are like the wrestling and the baseball and the tennis. I'll put those closest to that. So if people, cause I know there's not a lot of interest in that. That's, that's more of a specific market. And if somebody's looking for wrestling, if somebody's looking for tennis, they'll catch a card out of their eye and they'll stop. But if, if they're looking for, for football or medium to higher end, they may walk by and just not look into the case. Whereas if I put those further away, I find that people will stop and look in that case. Um, so it's just, just what I'm going to call the table layout. When you're laying out your table, just look to see what people are selling to the left or the right of you. I've done this in earlier shows where I said, okay, I'm going to put my discount boxes on my right. And you would think this is obvious. And I'm going to put my higher end my higher end stuff uh, case on the left. And then all of a sudden the person at the table on the left of me sets up a bunch of discount boxes. And now they've got people all over there or the dollar boxes. And now people can't get to my higher end case. So now I have to start rearranging my table mid show because I want people to see what's in that case. And if they can't see in, they're just going to keep walking. Um, so definitely a table layout. And it, and it's, I like to get to the shows early and get, start setting my stuff up. And if, and if, 
my let my person to my left or my person to my right show up that I, I usually have one person I know. I'm usually with Rob and I'm usually in my right or my left. So it's just my other side uh, that, that I need to worry about. But if somebody shows up and I think that they're going to be, um, they're going to have a lot of discount stuff on that one end, I'm going to move my discount stuff to that end. So the people who are looking at discount stuff can continue right onto my table and look at the discount stuff. So I just kind of look at the, you know, look at what people are setting up and I try to maximize uh, viewing of all my stuff to the people who are coming by and the people who are set up on the left and right of me. I know it was a lot and I hope I explained that correctly, but it really makes a big deal. And and when I, I, I say this, I'm saying this from learned experience. I've watched this happen and I moved my cases around mid-show just because I felt people were just walking by and not seeing what was in my case. Uh, the next thing I've learned, and we've been talking about this all along and, and this is it. This, this, this is my next show is going to be a change. I have two weeks to make my adjustment before my next show. Uh, but if you're in the lane to sell, to, to be selling higher end slabs, you have to remove the clutter, have to get rid of the, and, and, and I kind of understand why people are showing up with one case, putting it in the center of their table, nothing on the left, nothing on the right, remove all the clutter. If anyone's going to come, they're just going to look into that case. So it's either, yes, this is what I'm interested in, and people are going to stop or no, they're going to keep moving. But if you're going to be doing, selling the higher end slabs, which is where the lane I'm want to get into, I just need to remove the clutter, all, all, all the discount boxes. I, I'm, I'm going to have one discount box with some slabs. I only have, I've sold a lot away. I maybe only have eight or 10 of those left. But when th those are gone, I'm not even going to have a discount box. I'm just going to have cases on my table, uh, just with higher end slabs. Um, I think it's important to remove the clutter on the table. And I've, I think this weekend, um, being with a lot of higher end dealers and just walking around and seeing what their strategies are, they, they don't have all the clutter on their table. The, these, and they're very successful. They don't have the clutter on their table. They've gotten away from all the clutter and just right down to business. This is what I have. These are my high end slabs. Uh, yes, if you're buying and if not, just keep moving because I, and I think, in order for me to get into that lane to move up, I need to follow suit with that. So by my next show, um, I will have removed the clutter, the, the dollar boxes and the discount boxes from my table. Um, last thing I learned, which I think is really important. Um, so I've been in business my whole life. Um, and I've been selling things my whole life through my business, through my computer business. And there's always been like a sales rule of thumb, right? There's always a strategy in pricing something. And I think maybe it's old school. Uh, maybe in my mind, it's old school. I, I don't know. But it's always, if if I have a card and I'm going to put this, you know, into the hobby. If I have a card that's say worth $500 and, and the comps on it 
are between say 475 and 525. All right. I'm going to put that card in my case for 625. This was my mindset. And now we can work backwards. If you like my card, you know, you could say, hey, the comps are whatever. And we'll, you know, you want to make me a fair offer, you know, like a comp at comp or maybe slightly under, we'll go ahead and take it. But I think that's hurting me. I think it's hurting me. A lot of people, you know, walk up and they look and they and they just continue moving on. They'll they'll pull their phone out. They'll look up a comp. They'll move along. Um, and I thought to myself, I'm going to try something different from Saturday's Sunday. So I got up early Sunday morning. I got over to the show early, and I pulled out a lot of the a lot of the slabs that I had, you know, priced up hundred dollars over comps. And if say the comp was at from 480 to 520, I put it at 540. Right. I took it from the 600 or the 625 and I dropped it to 540. And I did that to a bunch of slabs in my case. And do you know I sold 80% of those slabs on Sunday. Now I don't know if it was just because it was a better day and people were buying more or because now that the price was right and the price was closer to comp, they felt it was easier to make an offer. Like I, I I'm almost thinking people felt it was too far away. Like they look and they, they look at their phone and they're like, Oh, well the last one sold at four ninety, and this guy's got it at $600. Wait, I'm not even going to make an offer. I'm just going to keep moving. And I think that was really the mindset. And I just started thinking about that. And I'd say to, I would say to people too, they would start looking, I say, what are you looking at? And they're like, Oh, I'm looking at that, but I'm not even going to make an offer because you know, it would be embarrassing or it would be humiliating or it would be, and I'm like, no, you can make an offer on anything. And they didn't. And I'm like, maybe people just don't want to make an offer. They, they just think that, that that we're so far away that the negotiating wouldn't work for them. So I lowered down my prices. I just put them slightly over comps. And I sold a whole bunch of stuff on Sunday. And I thought, you know what? Maybe it's a new strategy. Maybe it's a better pricing strategy. I, you know, the, I, I understand the higher the slabs, the more they're uppriced and, and there are dealers and I watch that have a lot of high-end stuff in there. And I go look and I look at their things in there and say something is around 800 and they've got it for a thousand dollars or $1,100. And then I'll say, Hey, you know, what's the best you can do on that? And they'll come down a hundred or 150, but they're still, on, they're not even coming down to comps and they're saying, well, that's what it is. That's what I'm selling it for. I'm saying, okay, but I've, I, I know enough I think I know enough just to ask what's the best you can do and, and we'll move forward. I mean, as far as the pricing on my table, the one thing I've learned, the one thing I've learned, just the communication part, and this is this is probably going to be the most important teachable moment of the day. And I don't even know if I've mentioned this before, but I'm definitely going to bring this out again. When somebody comes to your table and I have everything priced in my case. I price everything because I just want them people to know what it is. And I may be changing that too, but right now everything is priced. Um, and people walk up and they go, Oh, the Mahomes, what's the best you can do? So I used to look at it and automatically give them a price, but I don't do that anymore. I say, well, you have my starting price there. What are you thinking? 
because somehow if I'm char- if I have something priced in my mind, I'm thinking if I have something priced hundred dollars over comps, if I immediately drop down seventy five dollars, they're going to come back even lower, right? So let me say to you, what are you thinking? What are you thinking it's worth? What would you like to pay for that? Let's start there. You have my price. You have what I'm what I'm asking for it now. You know wh- where are you at? So I've I've definitely slowed down. And I've taken, I, I always take a, when somebody says, like, I'll take, I take a minute and I look at the card and I do this now just to say, I want to slow everything down. And I'll say, well, you have my price. What are you thinking? Or, you know, what are you thinking on that card? Let's talk. Let's have a little talk about it. That type of thing. And I think it helps the sale a lot because now, now they're going to tell me what they think. I'm going to know by what the ne- the next thing that comes out of their mouth, what they're thinking. You know, that if they're thinking, well, you know, the comp, because they're going to come right out and say, well, the comps are low are are much lower than that, or that's way over comps or that's, I mean, whatever the next thing comes out of their mouth, I'm going to know what they're thinking. So, so it will help me as the salesperson to, to move forward to with, with, with this negotiation. Uh, So deals. Deals of the week. I talked about my Facebook trade last week, which uh, which I was excited about. You know, it was my first kind of online card and cash trade and cash. Uh, I traded um, a 2020 Justin Herbert Purple Shock SGC 10 plus cash and received a 2017 Mahomes Silver Rookie. PSA nine and a 2020 Mac Jones XRC. Uh, and that the XRC is a pop 31. Uh, so I was excited about that. The deal went very well. There was just great communication. Uh, we, we, you know, communicated through messenger. Uh, once, once I paid him with PayPal, uh, he immediately sent me the, uh, uh, tracking. Uh, I immediately sent him tracking. And when it was both two days, we both had our stuff. It was a, just a really smooth deal. So I was excited about that. I feel a little better uh, that, I, that I that I finally broke through and made one of those trades. Now now I'm trying to get another. There's another card I want. And I can't seem to 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 get 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 connected to. You know, it's a funny thing with Instagram. Uh, and, and Facebook, if you're not friends with somebody and you send a message, mess- these messages get lost. They're like, they go somewhere, but sometimes you don't see them. I'm like, all of a sudden I find these messages late. And I know this happens a lot when I'm sending out messages to other people and they don't respond. Cause most of the time, if, if you ask somebody, Hey, you know, I'm interested in this card, you know, would you be willing or this or that people would just say yes or no, it just not respond. So I just had a feeling when people aren't responding, I looked into it a little more and people said, look, if you're not friends with these people, you know, try, try uh, following them and then sending them a message. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe that'll help. Maybe it'll show up. Um, so still working on it, still learning. I'll keep you updated on that. Um, purchases, uh, at the show. So, you know, like like my week before, what I learned, uh, I did again this week, and 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 it helped me. It helped me a lot. Um, after I got set up, went around uh, looking, I found a 2018 uh, Panini Prism. It's a Josh Allen, a green green prism, 
it's a PSA nine. It's a beautiful card. For those of you on YouTube, I will hold it up. It is a stunning card. Great looking card. Um, I ended up getting that card for $400 and I dropped that card in my case. Um, in fact, I'll tell you the other card first before I get into what happened. So my second card I purchased, um, was a 2020 Panini Select, uh, Justin Herbert, Orange Prism to 49. And this is a pop 11, another really great looking card holding this up for those of you, uh, on YouTube. Uh, and this is a uh, PSA nine. Also, I think I said that pop 11. Um, so I bought the, uh, Josh Allen dropped it in my case. Uh, and before the show started, I went over, uh, and Sharon from black jaded wolf had the, uh, the Herbert, the orange prism. And I looked at it and I asked her, you know, best price on that. And she gave it to me, which was just a little over comp, which was good. And I said, oh, okay. All right. I said, I'll probably be back for that one. Um, went back to my table, said, oh, I'll get some sales and I'll move on that card. Um, and I really wasn't getting many sales. And I started thinking about that card and I pulled it up. So about an hour into the show, uh, I went back over and, uh, I said to somebody else that was there, I said, oh, uh, where's Sharon? I said, I, I want to I get this, the Herbert card. And she pulled it out and gave me a price of $300 over. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, I just put it aside. I'll wait for Sharon to come back. And Sharon came back. And, you know, they had raised the price after the show started and talked to Sharon. And she was she's good people. Everybody knows Sharon. She said, yeah, I, I remember I gave you that price. I'm going to honor that. And I said, perfect uh bought the card and now i have these two cards in my case i did not price them i did not plan on selling them uh i just wanted to keep them uh for the summer i mean in my mind uh i'm bringing these cards to national but i threw them in my case and that's what was stopping everybody this week at my case you know how much for that how much for that how much for that and I just kept saying, no, just pick those up. They're for my PC. They're not for sale. Um, but realized, again, these are the cards. These are the cards that people want. And the more I buy these cards and the more I fill my case up with these cards that people want. I mean, I could personally think that there's a lot of great cards out there. But all, all these, you know, the Herbert and the Allen and the Burrow and the Brady and the Mahomes, this is what people want. This is what people want. And, 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 you know, you're probably seeing a little bit of a pattern here. If we go over my last three, four or five episodes, I'm just, all I'm buying is quarterbacks. Everything I'm buying is quarterbacks. And my thought with this, I mean, when you look at the rookie, rookie class this year, uh, you know, this draft just went on. I mean, probably going back, I mean, even earlier, but you go back to 2016, there was just great quarterbacks in every draft all the way up until this, this past year, it's a 2021. And this year there's just, just, it's no quarter. I mean, there's a quarterback, but it, it, it was all defensive players. So, so I think what's going to happen when these new, these new, uh, 
every year, right? The, the breaks, everybody's buying into the breaks. You look, I mean, this, this past year, there's the Patriots, it's the 49ers, right? Uh, you know, the Bears, all the rookie quarterbacks. But what are people going to be buying this year? They're going to be looking, they're going to be buying into these breaks, looking for a second year quarterbacks. I mean, because the, the quarterbacks are not going to be there. There's no, there's only one, one or two rookie quarterbacks and, and, and who knows? I don't think they're chase chaseable. I, I mean, I don't personally, I don't, maybe they are personally. I don't think they're chaseable. So I really have a feeling that come this summer, all, all the, all this year's class, all these rookie quarterbacks are going to be high in demand again. I think people are just going to start chasing them because they're used to chasing and there's like, geez, there's nobody to chase. I'm going to go, go back and chase the Mac Jones and, 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 and all, all these quarterbacks, or maybe even go back the year before and go to the Herbert and the Burrow. Um, and I think the value on these cards, regardless of, of what, what our economy is doing, uh, I think the values on these cards are just going to keep going up. Uh, and I think, I feel I feel I'm just getting them at such a great price right now, and, and, and I'm not I'm not out buying a ton of them. I mean, I'm just every show, I'm one, two, three. I'm just picking up what I can get, a little bit, little bit, little bit every week. But I think at some point, the prices on these come the summer, and this is just my thought: the summer, the the July, August. I think I think these prices are going to skyrocket because people are going to realize, you know, I'm I'm used to jumping into breaks, you know, this is what they're going to say themselves or chasing these things. And these, these people aren't going to be there to chase. So I think they're going to go back and start chasing. I have a feeling even the wax, I think, I think you're going to see breaks, people buying up all the 2021 wax and do, just doing breaks next year, just still trying to pull, you know, the, 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 the Trey Lance and the Mac Jones and, you know, my, just my thought, just my thought, but, but I really think, um, Buying up these quarterbacks right now are 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 really are really good for me. That's my thought. Uh, shout out to Matt from uh, Bangers and Breaks. So Matt, uh, I met Matt a few shows ago. He comes comes to the shows. He's he's he always got has great cards. Uh, the uh, the New York City show. He came with the Joe Burrow Blue Hyper PSA ten. And we just couldn't get a deal done, but he kept coming back to the table. He was just a really nice kid. He was out just working the floor, working the floor, and just a really nice kid. Then he showed up this past weekend um, at AutoFest uh, with a with a, Tom, a 21, 2021 Tom Brady orange fluorescent PSA 10, another banger card. Um, and we didn't get a deal done on that, but I was still trying to get the Joe Burrow blue hyper from him, which he, he wouldn't release. Uh, and then he showed up for trade night and it was like 11 o'clock at night. And I said, you, how old are you? He says, I'm 17. And I said, I said, your parents let you, he's like, yeah, I only live like 10 minutes away. So he's like, in, like, there's a lot of shows in this area that are all like 10 or 15 minutes away. And, uh, I, I mean, I just think he's just a great kid. He's full of knowledge. Um, and and he's he lives in in the in a vicinity that he can get in and out of all these shows, and and just really really work the shows for the hobby. And uh, just wanted to throw him a shout out. I always love people. You always hear me talking. I like people who who are hustlers and grinders, and and he is definitely one of them. Um, so a huge shout out to him. Um, 
up and coming shows. So I told you, I have a few weeks off now um, before the Mohegan Sun show. Uh, that's in June. That's June 11th and 12th. Um, and then the Springfield, Massachusetts show, June 26th. Uh, it's New England card show. And then national uh, July 28th to the 31st. And and just a funny note, I mean, if you come show up to the show, uh, definitely come look for me uh, at any of these shows. And I'll ha have a sign hanging on my table. But if you don't see the sign, I'll be the guy in the director's chair. I just throw that out there. I mean, if people come by, I, I, a couple of shows ago, I picked up this chair that sat up higher. Uh, so when I sit in the chair, I could be faced, you know, eye level with people because I just felt like, you know, standing all day to show it, it takes a toll on your feet, your legs, your back. And then when you try to sit down, you're you're so low and you're looking up at people. Uh, and sometimes I just found that disrespectful if I didn't stand up, if people came to my table. So I just kind of got rid of the chair because when it gets busy, you never have time to sit down. So, so I, I found myself one of these director's chairs that just open up and I, I sit up higher and, and I'm eye level with people and I can access the case and everything on my table. And uh, I get a lot of compliments. So I just, I just throw it out there. If, if, if you miss my, uh, miss my banner in the front, you can't miss me sitting on my perch in my director's chair. So that's it for this week. Uh, gonna shut it down. I wanna thank everyone for tuning in. And if you like what you hear, please tell a friend, spread the word. And until next time, be good to yourselves and everyone around you. Mm -hmm.